Welcome, Sacred Disruptor, to the Sovereign Society podcast. I'm your guide, Sabrina Riccio, modern medicine priestess, golden age business mentor, and marketing muse for spiritual entrepreneurs. In this sacred temple, we explore what it means to embark on your spiritual journey towards sovereign embodiment, multidimensional leadership, and social justice while honoring a business of integrity. Gathered here are some of the world's leading mentors, healers, and revolutionists alike as they share activating codes of guidance and transmissions of wisdom that will empower you to thrive. As a sovereign leader, you are here, embodied in your truth and on your evolutionary mission to answer the call, move the masses, and activate your legacy for the generations to come. You are here to unleash your medicine. Welcome home. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Sovereign Society podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Riccio, and it's just been really remarkable that so many of the previous conversations that we've had here leading up to this conversation has been around psychedelics and plant medicines and how we can really practice and work with these medicines with reverence, with intention, and really revolutionize the way we create, revolutionize the way that we show up and lead, and revolutionize our lives. And so I'm so grateful and honored to be sharing with you this conversation with Laura Dawn. And I found Laura on on Clubhouse and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to chat with her. So she's from Live Free Laura D. And this woman is really, really leading the way when it comes to the world of microdosing. And if anyone knows me, you know my passion for psychedelics, you know my passion for microdosing and how it's been a massive tool that has really helped me um, work through PTSD, trauma, and has really helped me with my creative ability as well to really tap into how am I being asked to show up and step up and be of service. And this is something that Laura is really passionate about as well. It's so much of her work. And so if you've never heard of Laura, she's a microdosing mentor and a visionary life coach and a business consultant and an, and an author who has really spoken around the world and led transformational retreats for over 10 years. And so she too has podcasts. It's the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. And she's really on a mission to teach business leaders and entrepreneurs and change makers on how to mindfully explore psychedelics and sacred plant medicines as a powerful visionary tool for inner transformation and creative manifestation, because this is an opportunity in working with these medicines is truly an opportunity to embark on the path of heart-centered leadership to implement that real change. And something she shared in this conversation as well is that currently she's pursuing a master's in science that where she's really specializing in creative studies and change leadership because her mission here is to explore more about the intersection between psychedelics and creative problem solving so that we can begin to really unlock innovative solutions to the complex challenges we face. And, you know, there's been a lot of challenges lately in our collective, and we are learning on how to adapt after this universal reset that people are are craving to find meaning and purpose as to why they're here, how they're here to be of service. And so in this episode, we're really sharing a lot about what it means to embrace plant medicines in the world of entrepreneurship and these neurotransmitters and 
how psychedelics have the ability to help us really embrace a mindset to see a shift in how we relate to psychedelics. And something that she shared was that psychedelics are the neurotransmitters of the guy in mind. And that was just really special to hear because right before I recorded this, I had my first EEG brain scan after losing my memory. And so to, you know, have this be the conversation right after I got from the doctors was just like really powerful to hear and to share that this is the path that I know I'm here to bring, even with this podcast is to hold and to create the sacred space for people to share their wisdom so that we can hone in on the golden age of collaboration and community where each of us share our unique talents and gifts that we can come together and implement the real change. And so, you know, something that I've been really passionate about, we dive into this episode a lot as well, is that with the rise of psychedelics and plant medicines and how do we go forth and keep the preservation. I've shared before, we were talking about Bufo and as we, as I shared in previous episodes, like uh, Hamilton Morris was sharing um, on Hamilton's pharmacopoeia of like creating synthetic Bufo and how do we keep the preservation and um, really honor the plants while also infusing it into our everyday, our, our lives and into our reality here. And so this is a huge thing that that needs to be talked about more is how do we really be um, focused on the sustainability and the preservation and the leadership with uh, plant medicine ceremonies and integration as well. And it's really beautiful because something she also talked about and that we both talked about was plant medicine integration and set and setting and, you know, how from that space we can be in that leadership from that space, we can, you know, set precedent for what's to come. Another big topic that I know she's passionate about too is ayahuasca tourism and the importance of practicing discernment, especially when it comes to vetting your shaman, because if there's anything I've learned along the way of working with plant medicine, it's really, you have to be very discerning and aware of who's holding the container of the space, where it's coming from, um, because this, this is very deep work that happens. And so if we are going to continue to keep with the preservation, not only that, but we also need to make understand and be aware of the resources that are available, speaking about set and setting, speaking about integration. And that integration period can last beyond just, uh, you know, a day or so, whatever. I still feel like I'm integrating um, ceremonies, difficult journeys that I've had myself. And something that she really pointed out is really being discerning on the words that you use when we're talking about um, plant medicines, which I thought was just uh, so powerful. We also talked about how microdosing can really help the entrepreneurial world who of these golden age leaders who are here to be on mission to implement real change and, you know, what it means to really be the visionary archetype and the the path that it can take to be in that creative flow and answering the call and being part of the solution. And so I'm really pumped for you to tune in. Laura is offering a really, really beautiful mastermind this summer starting in June, but she's currently accepting applicants and she's holding the space for 18 spots for high, high-end private microdosing mastermind program where she is helping and supporting um, leaders. And so if you are interested, you can check out the show notes or go to livefreelauraD.com slash microdosing dash mastermind. And if you apply, let her, let her know that you found out about it through the Sovereign Society podcast. Mention it. And 
and she's here to support. You know, this is for really for people who are ready to deepen their understanding of microdosing and what it takes to really take their personal practice to the next level. And so she's here to really help, you know, content creators and transformational coaches and entrepreneur who are ready to really expand their reach of influence and support more people in their transformational healing, both with and without the support of plant medicines. And so this is the opportunity and the chance that we get to implement and pave the path for how we are going to bring psychedelics and plant medicines into our future, into our reality, and break the stigmas um, around psychedelics and plant medicines, which is so many of us have been passionate about because we understand what these tools are about. And Laura shares a lot of her journey and I'm really excited for you to tune in. So check it out. Make sure you take a screenshot and tag myself at Sabrina Riccio and at Sovereign Society Podcast. And I also invite you to tag Laura at Live Free Laura D and just let us know you're tuning in. And I'm really pumped for you to learn more about microdosing because this has been a revolutionary tool and practice that has really helped me um, answer the call and be of service and really connect to God to my highest self and find that integration within. So I'm really excited for you to tune in and to take what resonates, release release the rest and to really run with it and understand and remember that the world is ready for your medicine. So let's dive in. Hello, 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 and welcome to an exciting episode of the Sovereign Society podcast. And I have with me here, Laura Dawn from, and I've actually found Laura on Clubhouse. I remember we were like in a Clubhouse room together and I think we were talking about microdosing and entrepreneurship and just talking about how we can really work with these plant medicines, not just for entrepreneurship, but for leadership as a whole and how we have the ability to really show up and be of service and understand that when we're working, especially with these plant medicines that are coming from the earth, we are communicating with the earth on how to anchor in heaven on earth. How do we really help with the ascension process of this planet and the vibration of this place? And it's been just really fascinating that the last few conversations I've had here um, have been really passionate about this. So this is telling me that we're headed in the right direction and that there's multiple people who are really driven and are inspired to really be that change and answer the call. So I want to thank you, Laura, for being here and for taking the time to share your journey and your medicine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And so I want to really dive in first and like really introduce your your initiation into understanding like this is the path that I'm I'm being called to really be of service. I'm here to help with microdosing and help entrepreneurs with their creative capacity and ability and just their overall expression and working through uh, plant medicines. Like I want to hear your journey as like this is what I'm here to do. Oh, okay. Well, you know, gosh, I just feel like I am here because of plant medicines. And so, you know, I feel like I I often joke that 
that plant medicines really hand raised me and forged me into the woman that I am today. So I have a, an interesting parallel track where I was raised by two entrepreneurs. And so I pitched my first business plan. Gosh, I was about seven or eight years old. And we used to pitch business ideas to each other by dessert at our family dinners. And then, you know, I had my first high dose psilocybin experience when I was about 14 or 15. And also, continued on to go and get a degree in finance and entrepreneurship. And I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I started investing in the stock market when I was quite young and um, had some really big uh, transformational experiences with psychedelics that really helped put me on the path that I'm at. And, you know, it's it's so interesting because when I speak on podcasts, it's always this sort of like linear timeline, but it's not, not quite so linear and it's not quite so concise. It was a bit of a more of a messy journey, you know, where still throughout those years of working with psychedelics, because we know set and setting plays such a big role and the intention plays such a big role. You know, I, I was still also um, struggling with depression at different points throughout that and also struggling with different substance abuse. And um, I had one really profound LSD journey where I literally kicked a cocaine habit in one night and never wow. went back and never touched cocaine ever again. And after I came out of university, actually, I went really deep with... Um, really like an intensive concentrated time of working a lot with psychedelics. And it felt like a very major deprogramming and, and really held space out of actually, you know, around you know, go coming in, I was investing in commodities and, you know, literally companies that were stripping um, minerals from the earth and for, and making a profit off of that. And there was a lot of grief there when I really had to just come to terms with my actions and who, you know, the education that I received. And so it kind of was a little bit of like a swinging in the other direction. I was, I had hit sort of a rock bottom moment in my life and after university and I packed a backpack and I left and I never went back. And I ended up living out of a backpack for many, many years, traveling all over the world, going very deep with psychedelics throughout that time and exposing myself to different cultures and different ways of living and I supported myself the whole time through that. You know, I built my first online brand to a million and a half people on Facebook, a million and a half followers. And um, I've done a lot of the online thing, you know, right when, when Facebook was just sort of new, I started mm. getting into Facebook pages and understanding like, oh, okay, Google ads and things like that. And actually it's so crazy that I ranked number one on Google for positive quotes for many years, which is an wow. incredibly competitive <laughs> search term. That's amazing. And so taught myself more of, yeah, more of the online realm. And then I started doing business consulting because I was right out of, out of university and had been already, you know, on the entrepreneurial path for, for years at that point. And so I've, I've really been, you know, self-made my, my whole entire life. And when I sort of swung in the other direction where I was like very much living out of a backpack, traveling around the world, going very deep with psychedelics, I did kind of eventually come through that phase and come to like a full circle moment where it was like, you know, the lens that I was given as a child was to look at the world through this place of entrepreneurship, which isn't like a dirty word. Business isn't like a dirty word, you know, it's all in how we choose to show up and engage with it. And 
I grew up with entrepreneurs at a time where, you know, it wasn't really cool to like have parents as entrepreneurs. Like now they're, we're in a revolution. We're in an entrepreneur revolution where everyone's stepping out of the cubicle. But for the last two decades, you know, even just 10 years ago, it was very different than it is now. And so I really came full circle and realized that, you know, I was just so blessed to be given the, the, the gift, the lens of looking at the world through that mindset and how can I, and which the mindset is really opportunity. And I think that that's like the spiritual component of entrepreneurship that I bring to the table is like when we are facing so many crises and challenges in our day-to-day reality in a world through and post COVID, like how do we perceive possibility where we previously saw lack and limitation? And I, I really feel like that was the lens that was given to me as a child. And I did eventually come full circle in my life where it was like, okay, I can really catalyze what's in my DNA, which is like, you know, being an entrepreneur and, and, and also incorporate over two decades of exploring altered states of consciousness and the lessons that I've received directly from plant medicine to be a force for positive influence in this world. And so I know that was like a very long-winded answer, but I feel like it kind of gave a little bit more of the complete picture of, of, you know, where I'm at today. And I could go on and on, but I'll just pause there and see where you want to take this conversation. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that's really powerful. And I think that's the great thing that we can start to see is like with what we're here to do, how can we start grabbing the pieces together of how far we've come and the things that really lit us up at those younger ages and the things that, you know, we, we really resonated with and really have embodied. And I think that's the big thing of, of what we do is like based off of our journey of what's brought us here thus far, what lessons have we integrated? What have we embodied? What are we, and then from that space, how can we share? Because I do think we're living in times right now as well, where we are going back to the core of like, what's important. We are going back to the core of what's moved us and what's inspired us. And then from our experience, how can we lead? Maybe, you know, like we're not anyone's guru, but like we have the ability to help people understand that like, hey, if I can do this, so can you. And I think that's the beautiful piece is that, especially with the rise of psychedelics and, you know, a lot of us were using it not so necessarily for entrepreneurial experiences in the beginning, but we were doing it to discover who we were. We were doing it more so to find who we were, to dive in deeper, to maybe heal ancestral traumas, our own traumas, our own. That's very much my experience with PTSD. I was calling suicide hotlines and then I started working with psychedelics and that helped me. That was my first connection to God, like on the dance floor. And I knew that that was part of my mission here. It was like, how am I here to help anchor heaven on earth? And at that time I was a music journalist. And so while that journey has evolved over the time, like now getting to talk with people like you who get to share their journey and to share the medicine and the wisdom that's really helped them get to the space. That's the big thing I really want everyone to understand is that the lone wolf days are over and that we have the ability. And I do feel like there's such an uprise of interest and curiosity around psychedelics because like the plants are speaking to us. They want us mm-hmm. to to understand that like, hey, we came here on mission and we want to help you. 
Well, it's so interesting because in uh, episode number three, so I have the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast, uh, I interviewed Dennis McKenna, who's one of the world's leading ethnopharmacologists. We talk about the pharmacology of ayahuasca, but particularly uh, Banisteriopsis capi, ayahuasca vine, mm-hmm. um, different than the brew together. But we we talked about that. And, he, and, you know, in that episode, he says like plant medicines are the neurotransmitters of the guy in mind. And I, I just love the way he's, he's such a genius and put, is also just so poetic. Incredible. And, and I love that. I mean, it's, it is kind of amazing that we just so happen to have neuroreceptor sites that fit these molecules that completely transform our consciousness and that fundamentally allow us to become better leaders and more heart-centered human beings. And, and, and not that in and of itself, you know, they're a powerful tool, but they cannot change your personality unless you want to be changed, unless mm-hmm. you combine your experiences within a larger framework, within different modalities of, of, of understanding the mind, the body, you know, healing modalities that really allow us to move more in that direction. And, and that's really sort of the essence of the combination of what I'm, what I'm on a mission here to do, honestly. I, I love that. And I think it's, like I said, it's been so fascinating that all of my conversations lately have been around psychedelics, something that's really helped me overcome trauma and healing. And here I am like three weeks ago, I lost my memory. And an hour before this call, I was getting an EEG scan on my brain, seeing how the brain waves and things are functioning and moving. And next week I have a CAT scan. But I know for me, like those medicines have really helped me, you know, they've helped me overcome trauma. They've helped me overcome depression. And so it's really fascinating because people who don't understand it, they're the first to criticize or to like blame something they don't understand. Um, But then when you look at the science, which I'm like praying that more and more of that is being exposed and more and more of that is being um, read upon and really um, delivered to the collective. I definitely believe that with where we're going, like things are going to be changing very soon. Like, I do believe we are the generation that's like saying we're going for this. And this is what we're mm-hmm. doing because I've had people on this podcast, like I had Amanda Elise here and she's bringing essentially combo medicine, which is the frog venom to African-American communities to help heal generational trauma. We are having more and more research about what is happening. Terrace McK- uh, Dennis McKenna, we've got um, Michael Pollan, who just had his whole book talking about the research and everything. And so, I don't know, I'm feeling really grateful that with the advancement of technology and the internet, there is more information accessible to understand what's going on that we can really, you know, and and people in these generations and then generations to come who are becoming doctors, who are becoming researchers, they're going to be more driven to, to bring these medicines forward and to make a stand to allow this, like psychedelics are the future and the now. Mm -hmm. Well, they're one, they're part of the future. They're definitely going to be a bigger part of our, our future. Yep. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to see, continue to see like people like you who are using psychedelics in leadership, see more of that be the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course you, everyone has their own free will. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do psychedelics to be in leadership. Um, but a lot of us who have been diving in and working with these medicines for a long time, we're still recognizing and paying reverence to the sacred, the sacred ceremony, the sacred medicines. And uh, I also pray that there is a beautiful preservation of um, 
these lands and this medicine as well. And I think that's another like big topic though to talk about as well is that they're not just like mass forged and how do we continue to have a preservation of it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge topic. And, you know, I'm, and again, I'm so big in just like, you know, offering feedback and just putting things on the table around, um, yeah, lifting each other up and even just introducing different shifts around semantics. And so inviting people to explore instead of saying using psychedelics to start seeing if it feels more true or more harmonious, resonant alignment with your whole being to say, working with psychedelics, or, you know, from more of that place, because it's like, okay, so we live within this Western culture that's patriarchal, capitalistic culture, and it's easy to just have that that mindset uh, sort of ripple out into the ways that we work with psychedelics. And so just inviting a shift there, um, just pointing it out for people who are listening to just start become mindful about even the way that we're talking about relating to these very powerful substances. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. I actually that. I had a great conversation. Yeah, there was um, uh, the, well, it used to be called the Sabina Project, now called the Ancestors Project. I was interviewing uh, Charlotte and Dre for episode number 10 of the podcast, and uh, it was on psychedelics and anti-racism. And Charlotte had this like realization in the, in the um, conversation that I also hadn't considered, but she was like, you know, so many people say tripping, but like literally the word tripping is like tripping over yourself versus like journeying, taking mm-hmm. a journey where moving more gracefully through these psychedelic landscapes. And yes, there's definitely flailing that happens along the way, but it was just interesting to hear her perspective on that. I'm like, oh, and that really struck me. And just the words that we choose um, really do shape our experiences of psychedelics. So well, that's, that's part of, that's part of the, that's part of the leadership skills as well, right? Like if as a leader, if more than these people are doing it, just to bring that kind of awareness that have people think and maybe not even just talking about psychedelics, but where else in their semantics are they also using words that aren't as supportive? And I think that's that's been a huge thing that like um, that has been an, an awareness that I've at least seen of like the people I follow, the people I communicate with, is that your words have power. And there's a reason why it's called spelling, like you're casting spells with what you're saying. And yes, there's a coding that can happen in a programming in that sense as well. And so having conversations like that or speaking like that, this is how we're, we're really paving a really um, integrous and solid path towards mm-hmm. these radical mm-hmm. shifts that can be revolutionary and really uh, beneficial for the future in whatever mm-hmm. way you want to work with it or not. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because even a few years ago, you never heard anyone talking about plant medicine integration. And now it's everywhere. You hear it's part, it's becoming part of our culture, of our vernacular. Mm-hmm. It's there's plant medicine integration training programs now. Right. You can be a plant medicine integration coach. I mean, it's really the movement is accelerating and it's also a wide open space. Right. And there's, you know, a lot of a, a lot of room for everyone to bring their perspective to the table. And more than just integration, I think it's also more people talking about the importance of set and setting. I had Sarah Gale on here, one of my first guests, um, who's the, the she runs the Zendo project with maps. And we were talking a lot about set and setting because um, when I had my first difficult journey, my first difficult experience that really had me come face to face on the things that I needed to work with and address, it was very big on 
making sure that like I didn't have the proper set and setting. And I think for us to continue to pave the path forward and to continue to, um, you know, like I said, be pioneers. Well, there have been pioneers before us, but pioneers are really having this be integrated into our society where it isn't so taboo or like so off so off the rocker or whatever, whatever people may believe we like, these are the things. Cause I have a woman right now, one of my clients, she actually does plant medicine integration and she's doing a whole workshop and course about that. And so these are things that I know I wish I knew or I had when I first embarked on the journey. But I think that's the other thing too, is that we are here to lead based off of like maybe what we needed at one time, right? This is how we can be of service. Mm-hmm. It's like, where was that when I needed it? And it's like, oh, but I went through this like wild ride, this wild journey that I've been able to integrate it, embody it. And now I'm here to serve and help other people. Um, So again, let them know that the lone wolf days are over. Let them know that, you know, they are supported. And I think if we can, before this really takes off, and I know it has taken off, but like really, really takes off. These are the things that we need to really, um, respect and honor is the integration, is the set and setting, is being aware, especially if you're working with ayahuasca, peyote, who you're working with. Um, Those are big, big pieces. I know for me, because when I did ayahuasca, the medicine told me strike one, strike two, when I worked with the same people, like they, the, the medicine was like, this is, this is not who you're here to work with. And then from that point on, I made it mm-hmm. a conscious decision to make sure that I'm working with indigenous. If I'm going into deeper ceremonies like peyote mm-hmm. or ayahuasca. And so I know you've, I've saw on your website too, you've talked a lot about the importance of really vetting your shaman. And so I would love to also mm-hmm. talk about that because these are the conversations that we need where we are diving into these ceremonies and embarking on these journeys um, with reverence. To me, that's what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, do you want me to get into to some of those suggestions? There's, I mean, on any Yeah, I would love, I mean, that's the thing. I, has, I, has, it's just, it's more so I wanted, I like, I just want to share, like you to share even like your take on the importance of vetting shamans and being very discerning on who you're working with and making sure that you feel safe. And when you're going into these deeper journeys. Yeah. Yeah. So on the guide, there's over 40 questions. And of course, you know, that might be overkill. And of course there are other questions that are not on there that might be very applicable to you. So there are some really big red flags that you want to be careful of. And just to speak on the broader macro sense, it's, It's really like, because especially for, you know, shamans, quote unquote shamans, people who call themselves shamans, um, there is the emergence of what we call ayahuasca tourism. So a lot of people are thinking like, oh, I want to go down to Peru. I want to have a quote unquote authentic experience. And you have to be careful because people can play the part very easily, you know, and I know that this is this is really controversial in and of in and of itself to say, and I'm not like married or attached to this belief system. I'm just putting it on the table. But I think with this emergence of psychedelics and sacred plant medicines, there's also this tendency to, I think, over glorify indigenous cultures. And with that, you know, Lots of people are going down to South America and you see a little brown man speaking Spanish that is wearing, you know, Shipibo clothing. And they also know that there's a lot of people making a lot of money off of this quote unquote industry right now. So 
it really does require discernment. And we're facing a mental health crisis. We're facing a meaning crisis in our lives, in, in the collective. And people are willing to pay a lot of money to find healing. And not that they that we shouldn't, you know, healing when we go through these ex transformational experiences they're priceless. And it takes decades to become a qualified, quote unquote, qualified, experienced person who really knows how to navigate um, just all the things that come up through ceremony. And so not just vetting your guide, but vetting your, the retreat center that you're looking at going, going to. And I mean, I can't, can't even begin to tell you some of the craziest stories, you know, about what I've seen over the past couple of decades and people are becoming more aware of what to ask, you know? And so one of the questions is like, when you're um, having a conversation and first of all, like shamans and guides and facilitators, they're humans too. So it's like, of course you want to talk to them and kind of get a sense. And the biggest thing you go on is really the, the vibe, the frequency, the gut feeling that you get. And using these questions to kind of guide those conversations, like how long have you been facilitating? How many ceremonies have you facilitated? You know, did you, like, did you work with someone else before you started facilitating? What were some of the most challenging things that you've encountered? You know, how did you navigate those challenging experiences? Um, some logistics, like if you're going to work with uh, like an, uh, an ayahuasca and going to sit in medicine ceremony, how many assistance do they have per participant in the circle you know so you want to have at least one assistant per six to eight people you know that's becoming a little bit more common standard and then there's all the safety things you know we want to i mean it's just like there's such a wide landscape especially for a boga you could go and drink um and consume a boga in the the you know in Africa, in Gabon, in tribes, or you can like do it in a clinical setting. So it's, everyone's got to find out like what is going to be optimal for them with psilocybin. Some people are going to work in like therapist's office versus, you know, circles that are happening in living rooms. Same with ayahuasca. And so I think that there is a lot of options being offered to really suit a lot of different people's needs. And we have to kind of tune in with what we're being called to not there's no one right way you know some people are going to feel really called to work with indigenous cultures um the mestizos or you know shipibos in, and that's not necessarily the highest way there is no you know hierarch hierarchy here mm -hmm. i know so many people holding space in the us who do such an amazing job and you know a lot of people who don't so we just have to be careful, you know, asking like I, I've heard now that there's people, you know, holding ayahuasca ceremonies where they put on electronic dance music and they dance the whole time, you know. And so, like, am I going to judge that and say that that's wrong? I, I don't I don't know if I'd want to do that. But, you know, like these are these are some questions that we want to know what we're signing up for. And then I think the other sort of two big areas that people are not asking about is reciprocity. Um, well, three big areas, reciprocity, um, sustainability, as well as accessibility. So, you know, how are you as a, a retreat center making this medicine accessible for BIPOC communities? That's a really great question. How are you guys, um, 
Where are you sourcing your materials? Are you replanting? Are you engaged in sustainable growing practices? Um, you know, the sustainability factor is huge. Uh, Tim Ferriss just came out with an, a big article about, you know, the, the big ones, like specifically Iboga and 5-MeO-DMT with Bufo Frog. You know, Western right. culture has a way of strangling the shit out of the things that we love the most. And mm-hmm to our own detriment. And so we really do need to focus on replanting. And then the other piece um, is reciprocity. If you're working with people and you're carrying a lineage, not even to say that you have to carry a lineage because there are some people in the community that would say that, you know, you're not right. This is wrong if you are carrying plant medicines without the permission of an elder or a lineage. I'm not necessarily in that camp of, of belief system. I like to think that there are more possibilities there. Um, but if you are receiving money and not because you have to donate back to funds, but give back because fundamentally we want to create a more harmonious chapter of human history. And fundamentally, because, you know, you stand for equality and social justice, give back to the communities who are struggling more through COVID. You know, these are just like common human, you know, humanity connect to our our common humanity here and so those are just some i mean like i said you can grab the guide on my website but there are so many questions you can go into and it does not just for shamans but for facilitators as well holding any any kind of space mm-hmm. i think it's really beautiful that you're also you were talking about the importance that people are looking for meaning and i think after this huge reset we've had, you know, with the 2020 and what's going on, people are understanding that they want to live their life to the fullest and they want to embody their truth and they want to really answer the call and the importance of finding that within, you know, and I think that's the other thing that we need to also like remember is that these plants are working with us, right? And so they're helping you find that within yourself, um, because I think so many people have just been looking for things outside of them. Like there's like the whole damsel in distress um, conditioning that's been going on. And these medicines will come to you when you're ready, if you're open to it. You know what I mean? Like if you're, if you're calling it, they will find their way to you when, when you're ready. But the big piece is like we were saying is the practicing of that discernment, that gut instinct of knowing like who you're going to work with. Because there are people who mm-hmm. and you what, may what resonate kind of environment with. that feels the most comfortable, you totally. know, because everyone's going to have a different set and setting that they prefer, you know, and that's not even to also like completely bypass quote unquote recreational use, right. you know, um, in terms of like you expressed, you had one of your, your first experiences on a dance floor, you know, that's an incredibly profound and potential transformational experience. I wrote a whole book about uh, my, all of my psychedelic journeys. It's in the process of being edited right now. Um, because, you know, like I said, I think the more people are courageous enough to speak up and to share the things that have actually helped them, this is where we have the power to be the change and we have the power to be the solution. And it takes a courageous person to speak on their experience, to share their challenges, you know, of what's happened and to share vulnerably, um, you know, when journeys were were beautiful and expansive and when they were challenging that led to deep lessons that made you a stronger um 
more compassionate person. Um, I think those are the other pieces too, is that we need to make sure that people also feel safe to express when they had challenging, um, challenging, uh, difficult experiences as well. Um, because to me, like when I had a difficult LSD trip and I'm almost coming up to the nine year anniversary of that. And I decided like to me in the past, April has always been a really challenging month. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not allowing that story to rule anymore because I've learned a lot from that experience and it's made me who I am. And I do think that's part of the integration process as well. Maybe it doesn't have to be so much like right after you embarked on that on that journey or in that ceremony, but the integration can come who knows how long. You know, the the I to me, it felt like the medicine was working for me through me and with me beyond just like the day that it like, you know, I like wasn't necessarily on that journey anymore. There are things that were still being processed and things that are being worked through. Um, that's again, allowed me to be that teacher that it's allowed me to lead, that it's allowed me to um, cultivate a safe space for other people to come to as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do we, how do we leverage our experiences so that we can be a force for positive influence in the world? And that's really the work that I mostly do. You know, I, I, I have sort of some kind of key circles of people that I work with, but the majority of people I work with are entrepreneurs. You know, people who are um, doing plant medicine integration with entrepreneurs and coaching around microdosing, you know, and so I actually have a a really big three month program coming up this June, July and August called Microdosing Mastermind. And it's it overlaps three three key areas. You know, one is taking a, a microdosing to the next level because a lot of people, I have so many people reaching out now being like, I'm a coach, I'm a transformational coach. I'm really interested in weaving microdosing into my offering. And then I'll ask people, you know, well, like, what does your practice look like? And they're like, well, I just started microdosing, you know? And most of the programs out there are very basic. They just cover the basics of microdosing. If you want to know the basics, you know, I put a free eight-day course on my website that just covers a lot of the the most commonly frequently asked questions. Now, it's still a very comprehensive course, and that's why I put it for free, because I want to work with people who go beyond that, who want to go beyond that and deepening more of a of a practice. And one of the things that we learned that um, I've been training through embodied leadership is that uh, through the Strozzi Institute, I really have been appreciating their training programs. And they say, you know, we are what we become what we practice and we're always practicing something. So the cultivation of daily practices in my perspective is really the path of mastery. And when we learn how to work with our daily practices, um, specifically designed within a modality to like tap into flow states and to unlock our, our greater degrees of creativity in our lives and then combine that with really, you know, strategy and how do we, you know, like literally come together with other people and learn how to like launch a coaching business and do all the pieces. And what is, how do we, you know, do all the branding and the social media and all of that piece too. And so it's, it's actually a really unique program that has a lot of um, entrepreneurs coming together who are all about deepening their, their microdosing practice are also interested in entrepreneurship and also interested in optimal performance. And so it has this whole other piece around, you know, body, mind, heart upgrade. 
I love that. And I mean, it's interesting because I know that's been a huge thing that's helped me with my business and my creative flow and really tapping into how I'm being asked to be of service has been through microdosing, microdosing. I know you've had a huge journey microdosing ayahuasca. My medicine has always been psilocybin. And it's funny because Maria Sabina, my name's Sabrina Maria. And so I've always felt this like beautiful connection with this beautiful leader. Maria Sabina was like one of the pioneers, the pioneer of, of, of psilocybin. And so I just always thought that was like, oh, I, you know, you can't make this shit up. <laughs> but um, I would love to hear, you know, what was the call for you to work specifically to start um, journeying and microdosing with ayahuasca to help you with your uh, creative flow, with your business and your your uh, initiation to up level and to really take your service to the next level. Mm-hmm. Well, so I started intuitively microdosing psilocybin when I was in high school. Uh, I really hated school. I just like, I just, so I just kind of wanted to go all the way back there. Um, but during, while I was having these like really high dose experiences um, and I really hated institutionalized education, I did find that when I would just have little nibbles of psilocybin and go to school, it was like much more enjoyable and manageable and I could actually like pay attention um, but over the years, uh, and, and I, so I have really in-depth experience working with the full range of microdosing substances. And I just do want to put a disclaimer on here that microdosing is not for everyone and there are risks and I'm not, you know, advocating for the use of microdosing. I think everyone needs to learn how to take radical responsibility for what they put with their hand in their mouth, especially when it comes to illegal substances, So I just want to state that. And if you do have any questions and that's why it's really important. And I feel the call to support more microdosing coaches because people need to know the risks. And if you're, you know, that's a huge red flag. If you're working with a microdosing coach who has not done a medical intake form, that's also going back to vet your shaman for retreats and facilitators. If you're working with anyone in any capacity, microdosing or macrodosing, who is not really doing a comprehensive medical intake form, then that's a big red flag and not a lot of people. It's like, okay, so once you receive a medical intake form and someone has all these medications on there that you have no idea and you're not a medical doctor, how do you, how do you work with that? You know, and especially when we start talking about microdosing ayahuasca vine, it's an MAOI. We need to be more aware. There are more contraindications. There are actually more risks to microdosing with ayahuasca vine then with psilocybin, for example, especially if you're on SSRIs. So these are really big topics that people, you know, think, oh, no big deal. Like, uh, I'm just going to help support people with microdosing psilocybin. But actually, you know, what's really common when people start microdosing is that they start moving a lot of emotional energy and past traumas can come up and PTSD can be re-triggered. There's a lot that people still need to be very aware of. So- I know I didn't really even answer your question, but I just think that like just starting there is really important. But I started making my own medicine about, gosh, it's been been almost a decade now. And and so one thing I also want to state is that Banisteropsis capi, that's the Latin name for ayahuasca vine. Banisteropsis capi is legal in the US. And when we start looking at some of the benefits and challenges of microdosing, Uh, I have an episode I'm going to be releasing with Thomas Anderson, who's a microdosing researcher. 
one of the main challenges to microdosing that people reported about like 33% of people. So it's like benefits and drawbacks. Biggest drawback, legalities. There's a lot of people who are really afraid still of the legalities of getting caught per- mm-hmm. procuring illegal substances. And one of the amazing things is that Banisteriopsis capi is legal. That Now, that being said, there are other major things that need to be brought to the table. You know, uh, I know there's a lot of people who are very upset with me being a white woman supporting people and microdosing ayahuasca vine. That's a very controversial, touchy subject, especially for certain people. That aside, and I'm aware that that's controversial and I have my own feelings and thoughts and opinions about that. But um, I have found that over the years, microdosing ayahuasca vine has been my channel. It's the frequency that really makes me come alive and that allows me to tap into a force that's greater than myself and has let alone, you know, healing me from depression, helping me with addiction. I actually got sick with COVID a year and a half ago and I fell into a severe depression. I, the whole time I was sick, with the virus. Um, and I'll just say that I never got tested because I was in Costa Rica. So I'm not a hundred percent sure that it was COVID, although it was like the worst virus I've ever gotten sick with in my life. So that's disclaimer, but I, um, I felt the whole time that I was sick. I had, you know, for the first four days, I had 105, 104 degree fever. And after that, I had three months of chronic fatigue and it was for someone who's an entrepreneur and creating like full force every day, I just come out of the most successful retreat of my 10 year retreat career, you know? And so it was really hard to actually navigate that. And microdosing the vine helped heal my brain. The whole time I was sick, I was saying to my partner, I feel like this virus is attacking my brain. Mm -hmm. Like it was like severe brain fog and really just like lower cognitive function. And I, I just you know, I, and it actually got really bad. Like it was to a point where I had thoughts of suicide, you know, I was like, wow, kill me now. Like this is Mm -hmm. fucking terrible. And I don't want to, you know, I don't know how long this is going to last for. And I was able to come back and, um, start a new microdosing protocol and it immediately started helping. And I see this with so many of the clients that I work with, and, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful plant medicine. And so I know that there's a lot of controversy around it. And I'm also of the belief that we're facing the worst mental health crisis of human history and that this is like really an all hands on deck kind of situation. 100%. You know, and agree. if there's medicine that helps people fucking heal and live, I'm going to vote for that. And yes, I'll take into consideration the other things that people are saying. And like, I'm going to go for vote for life, vote for people waking up to their potential. I vote for people, you know, because anyone who's listening to this, who has ever suffered from depression and addiction, you know, it's like being thrown into a dark, small, dark room where you're just going round and round with self. Mm -hmm. Like it's, there's no room to think about creating there's no room for that like when i was suffering from addiction and depression my whole reality was like the size of a postage stamp like that's all that was my mind was just right there caught in the loop and then when you work with plant medicines and they offer you an out a door you're you're able to reach for the door and they can just show you the door and you still have to be the one that walks through it you know but then when you're 
literally standing at the door after being feeling like locked in a cage in a small dark room where you're just kind of ruminating around and round with self. And when you are literally at the doorway and you're looking out and realizing that there's a whole world out there, then the question becomes, now what? Now what do I do with my life? Now that I'm not so self-absorbed with my addiction, I want to do something. And now all of a sudden I have all this freed up energy to create, to inspire, to influence, to share my message, to create a platform to share, you know? And that's what I'm really interested in. And you know, just to really go deeper into this is that like the whole conversation around psychedelics right now is very much so focused on psychedelics as a healing, as a, as a cure, as a, a healing tool for depression, PTSD, anxiety, and addiction. And hallelujah for that. Thank God for that. Because, and that's what's allowing the doorways to open towards legalization, towards FDA approval. Of course, we, that's going to be the entry. But then what's, then what? You know, and so I'm really interested in holding space for the conversation around then what, you know, and that's why, because, you know, I've been running transformational retreats for 10 years and I'm on a hiatus with COVID, I'm back in graduate school and I'm getting a master's in science in a program called Creativity Studies and Change Leadership. And I'm really interested in researching the overlap and intersection between creative problem solving and psychedelics and working with people who have platforms of influence and teaching them how do we work with and leverage these experiences with psychedelics to find solutions to some of the most the, the biggest challenges we collectively face because we are actually facing we're on the precipice you know we're we're actually totally. past the precipice we've been hurled into you know about to hit rock bottom and so you know, that's, that's really my mission. And I'm not a huge fan of institutionalized education, but you know, the other thing I'm really passionate about is that this whole space of optimal performance, creativity, flow states, psychedelics, microdosing is a conversation that is predominantly held by men. And so, you know, if I have to go and get a master's in science to elevate my platform, because I, I, I'm like literally elbowing my way to get a seat at the table, then that's what I'm going to do. Never stop a woman on mission, man. I love it. I think it's really beautiful to see how this is how you're choosing to, to take initiative and really answer the call. Because I know just to really wrap up, I know you've been really passionate about speaking on the visionary archetype as well. And so yeah. I would love for yeah. you to share more about that and how your vision of how you see plant medicines being reverenced, respected, and appreciated um, in not even, not even more so in the mainstream, but just in our overall uh, human experience. I would love to hear more because about what that means to you and how you're really choosing to take initiative. Even, you know, we've been talking so much about it on this conversation about your vision for the, what it is, but how do you how yeah. do you see that as part of the solution? Yeah, okay, well, I'll just share briefly a framework that I've been developing for many years and I feel like it's a companion guide, it's a roadmap for this this psychedelic path, for the medicine path, and it's called the path of the creative visionary bodhisattva. And so I'll start with with bodhisattva is you know the way of the compassionate warrior. 
And it's someone, and I'm not calling myself a bodhisattva. I'm just, you know, aspiring to walk the path of someone who's willing to dedicate their life, their own life to waking up with the intention of helping other people's other people wake up to their own purpose on this planet. And you know, that's it's it really takes a lot of courage to walk that path. And there is a lot, there's thousands of years of teachings that help support us on this path that are you know, not not religious or dogmatic, but just like pure wisdom, good advice for this time of chaos and crisis and upheaval so that we can learn how to stay open in the face of suffering because a lot of people are suffering right now. And so how do we face the amount of crisis without completely retracting and contracting and looking and, and you know, pulling away because it's too painful to see what's happening. And, and as soon as we sort of pull back in, it, that's defeat. That's a, it's a losing game. We're creating separation instead of reaching out a hand to help the people who are suffering. And we do that ultimately first by helping ourselves, you know? And so the visionary piece is someone who really understands that we can learn to leverage the power of our mind and that we see what we believe. And so we have to take a leap of faith in the inner realms of our own mind and when you talked about challenging journeys, you know, when you go into the cocoon of metamorphosis, when you're in the darkness, when you're in the abyss, that is actually the moment that you plant your seed in possibility. That's where you can take those mental leaps of faith, where you literally can hold a vision beyond the circumstances in this 3D reality, where you literally can train yourself to expand the boundaries of what you believe is possible. And then the creative part is what I call, you know, the visionary is eye to, eye to the sky, but give it birth to the earth. And your body is a creative channel. And we're all creative beings by definition of being alive. So how am I literally creating a bridge from the unseen dimension? Because everything we see in this 3D reality emanates from source, its frequency, its vibration, its energy, and it transmutes from the unseen realm into this realm. And so really the the creativity part is like my body is a channel is a vessel for literally transmuting ideas visions inner visions and anchoring them transmuting them into reality for not just the benefit of me but for the benefit of humanity and that's the bodhisattva part and that's the roadmap that i use for all the programs that i teach um it's a very central component of 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 especially even the microdosing mastermind because you know, and, and looking at that, like the plant medicines are the bridge between this reality and another dimension of reality that is also here with us all the time. And so we look at these ways that we build bridges so that we can have one foot in the spirit realm, quantum realm, whatever you want to call it, and one foot in this solid 3D reality. And so that channel of creativity, that's the bridge too, of transmuting the, the, the unseen into the seen. And that's, that's the framework essentially. So I just broadened it, but the, the visionary piece is, is a central component. And it's no coincidence that as we face this time of crisis, where Einstein said, we cannot solve our problems at the same level of thinking that created them. We need to take mental leaps of faith right now. And that we have this vine that indigenous cultures call the visionary vine. And that these visions that I've received through ceremony after ceremony that I've received these visions to build a retreat center. I built a 
fucking retreat center from scratch with my bare hands from a vision that came through and that vision shaped me and who I am. And, you know, I didn't do it alone. I did it with my ex-partner and a couple other people who helped, but it was this vision that was really came through the plant medicine, the neurotransmitters of the guy in mind, you know? And so how we create how the narratives we tell. So I'm telling a narrative here and a narrative creates a cohesive storyline that allows people to have a conceptual framework. And when you do have a conceptual framework, it draws that closer into your perceptual field of awareness. It makes it more real. So I'm teaching these frameworks that weaves science and research and literature with mysticism, what the mystics have known for thousands of years. And I have a ball doing it. You do what you love, right? This is what we're here to do. We're here to do the things that are expansive, the things that can implement real change, that can activate a legacy that goes beyond just this lifetime. And um, I really am just really grateful how you've just been talking more so about like the 3D as well, because everyone's been on this like go 5D and stuff, but we are multidimensional beings. And like, oh yeah, I just had the whole a whole podcast um with one of my one-on-one clients is a lawyer and we were talking about, you know, the legality pieces and what we need for business. And we have to remember that if we are always so like airy fairy, like spiritual stuff, but, but we're not actually re- recognizing the reality of our feet on the ground right now, you're setting yourself up for disaster as well. And so we need to understand we are multidimensional beings that are here. We came here during this time to implement real change, to answer the call, to put the pieces together. And so you are doing such an incredible job. And I just thank you for, cause I can, I feel your passion just talking to this whole conversation. I just feel your passion, your amount of awareness, your education, and this is how you're choosing to be a, a, a leader. And so I really appreciate that because the more people that we have that take that initiative and really show up and speak again, this is how we're going to implement the real change. And so I just want to close mm-hmm. out this episode with um, a quick little lightning round questions. Um, what does sovereignty mean to you? Sovereignty means that I get to choose how I influence my own consciousness and that I have cognitive liberty. Mm. That's so beautiful. Cognitive liberty. Mind blown right there. That's so amazing. What would you say to younger Laura? That's such an interesting question. Um, Hold it all lightly. Hold it all lightly. Don't take any of it too seriously. And that, you know, it's going to fly by because it Mm. does. What animal totem has really been guiding you and supporting you lately? Oh, I am immersed in owl realm. I see owls are my guardians. They're on this land. I see them every day. They hang out on my roof when I go to bed at night. And so, yeah, and owl, owl, owl medicine all the way. Mm. And where can we find more of you? And, and you know what I'll just say about the owl medicine is, you know, they're, they're also very significant of, of visionaries because they right. fly in the dark, mm-hmm. you know? So there's no accident um, there. <laughs> people can find me my, right. My, my home base is uh, livefreelauradee.com. I have music playlists for psychedelic journeys that people can swipe for free. I also have um, my free eight-day microdosing course. Really encourage anyone who's listening to this, who's an entrepreneur who wants to up their, their microdosing practice and also learn more about peak performance, optimal performance in personal professional lives to check out my microdosing mastermind. I already have an exceptional group of people coming together for that. So definitely check that out. And 
and the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. Um, and if I may, there's one thing I would love to actually add about this notion of leadership in the psychedelic space is that, you know, it's, it's crucial that, um, you know, we have to be careful about this like movement of self-proclaimed expertise, you know, and, and just really encouraging everyone who is choosing to walk on the medicine path to be a lifelong student and to really surround yourself with peers and elders who offer wisdom and who can support you on your journey. And to remember that everyone, even someone, you know, who's microdosing for the first time or having a, you know, a client who's in a first time journey, we learn from everyone. We learn from everyone. Everyone is our teacher. And that, you know, we have to be careful around how we hold this notion of leadership, especially in the psychedelic space. And so I, I did really just want to sort of end on that note too, is like dedicate to your own lifelong journey of learning, of growth, of transformation, because we never arrive. We never get there. We're in process and that's okay. And it's, that's what makes life worth living. It's the, each step we take along the way. It's really funny because my next question was be what little nugget of wisdom do you have? And you already read my mind on that. And so I, I really appreciate you again, Laura, for just sharing all of your wisdom and looking forward to see how this journey continues to unfold as more and more people open themselves up to embark on this journey as more and more people open themselves up to, to be in their sovereignty and, that cognitive liberty. Oh, so beautiful. And um, I just really appreciate, again, the work and the medicine that you are sharing. And I believe we've only really scratched the surface on what's possible with psychedelic therapy, microdosing and all these things. And thank you again for being a leader and uh, for sharing all that you shared in this, in this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Love the work that you're doing too. So thank, thank you, you so for much. all the work that you're contributing. Mm -hmm. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Go check out Laura. And again, if you are hearing the call to start to infuse more of the microdosing inside your entrepreneurial path, like do it with reverence, do it with integrity and, and trust yourself. And as I always say, honor the journey and trust the process. And so we love you. We thank you. And we'll be seeing more of you soon. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into this powerful episode of the Sovereign Society podcast. To keep this conversation flowing, I invite you to join us over at the Sovereign Society private Facebook group and to follow us over at Sovereign Society podcast on Instagram. If you want to keep up with me, subscribe to my YouTube channel where you can watch these episodes and so much more. I welcome you to come on over and say hey on Instagram at Sabrina Riccio. And if you love these conversations, please support the podcast by subscribing and leaving a rating and review on iTunes. To share the love, all you got to do is search Sovereign Society Podcasts. And of course, if you're ready for more, stay tuned for next week because we've got a whole new episode coming your way. Take care. Satnam. Satnam.